Thank you, Laura. Good morning. Are we all together? Okay, good. I'm glad to see you this morning. And I hope I want to, I will not make you feel asleep, you know. I want to keep you excited today. And hopefully we can uh, be together through this message. Let's open our Bibles. To the book of Mark, chapter 2. Book of Mark, chapter 2. Dean is going to read about 12 verses, 13. For that. Vahidin. From 1 to 13. Mark chapter 2, verses 1 to 13. The word of the Lord says, When he had come back to Capernaum, Several days afterward, it was heard that he was at home. Okay. Immediately, many gathered together so that there was no longer room, not even near the door, and he was speaking the word to them. And they came, bringing him a paralytic, carried by four men. Being unable to get to him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him, and when they had dug an opening, they let down the pallet on which the paralytic was lying. And Jesus, seeing their faith, said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Amen. But some of the scribes were sitting there and reasoning in their hearts. Why does this man speak this way? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately, Jesus, aware in his spirit that they were reasoning that way within themselves, said to them, why are you reasoning these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and pick up your pallet and walk? But so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, get up. Pick up your pallet and go home. And he got up and immediately picked up the pallet and went out in the sight of everyone so that they were all amazed and were glorifying God, saying, We have never seen anything like this. And he went out again by the seashore, and all the people were coming to him, and he was teaching them. Amen. Thank you, Dean. great physician or the great doctor. We have a few doctors amongst us and thank God for their work. We appreciate them. Much of the Lord's ministry was spent alleviating people's suffering. Today we are going to look at the healing of the man 
who was paralyzed. And he was brought to Jesus by four, I'd like to say by four of his friends. In uh, Matthew, you can read the same account in Matthew, in uh, Luke, and as we read in Mark this morning. This man's healing took place in a town, uh, Capernaum. It's where, it's a village where Matthew lived, and Jesus made it like his headquarters when he was serving in Galilee, in the region there. The crowds in the house gathered together, and Jesus was teaching, and he was surrounded by everyone who came. He attracted people, the doorways, and the yard, and uh, outside were packed. No one could get in. During the Lord's preaching, an unusual thing happened, and the roof they had the, the roofs during that time were flat. If, uh, yeah, I remember very well. Roofs are flat. And the roof started opening up, and uh, this was so unusual. And the four men uh, just uh, took the paralytic, carried him, and uh, they have let him down through the opening in the roof, and he came straight in front of Jesus. Well, this is the premise. Let's examine together, I want your full attention, examine together some truths that we get from this incident that is recorded in the Bible. The very first thing I noticed and I hope you will be with me, that this man was helpless and in need of help. He was helpless and in need of help. And so every person in this world, we are born sinners. Do you agree with that? We are born sinners. We are sinners. And I can say one thing. When Jesus comes into the life, we can say, I am born a sinner but I'm saved by Jesus Christ, saved by his grace. And this man was, uh, reminds us that every person is born a sinner. You're not born a saint. You're not born uh, to be a good person because you're born in sin. The Bible says, you were conceived in sin, born in sin, and you grow up in sin, and you need Jesus Christ to save you from sin. And this picture, this is a picture of sinners, all of us. I'm not saying you, all of us. And if you are saved, God saved you from sin. If you're unsaved, please listen to this message. This man, if you are living in a life away from Christ, this man is like this man. He was desperate. Sinners are desperate. And they need someone to bring them to Jesus. Like this one, 
here. Mark describes the man sick with palsy. He couldn't move his limbs at all. He couldn't do anything. He is paralyzed, helpless, and desperate. Is not the case with every sinner today. Sin paralyzes people. Sin leaves them helpless. No doubt this man had tried many doctors. And perhaps his family sought many means of other healings. And you might say, I have tried everything in life. To be a good person. To quit this habit. To get rid of my sin. Whatever it is. Like this man. They've tried everything. But failed. And when he fell before Jesus there. One thing Jesus did. He addressed him with the following. He addressed him. Your sins are forgiven. He knew he was paralyzed. And he knew because sin paralyzes anyone. He's a sinner. Sin paralyzes sinner. Whatever is your sin. Let me ask you this question and be honest with yourself. You have a certain habit or sin. Which let's call it sin. Okay, let's call a spade a spade, Adam. Okay, all right. If you have a sin and you try to get rid of it, are you able to do that on your own? And some of us, some of us, they've tried many other means to get rid of this habit, of this sin. And then for two days or three days or one week, they have this victory. But afterwards, they go back. So, so the Lord looks at him and he addressed him. He said to him, my son, he's a young man. My son, your sins are forgiven. Oh, how would you like to hear this from Jesus Christ this morning? How would you like to hear this? He says, I have been struggling. My life is in shambles. I have doing my very best to get rid of this. Maybe gambling. Maybe other habits. And you see yourself going back to the same thing. I'm not going to go, you say in the morning. By 6 p.m., you see yourself going there. And the devil is taking you against your will. Because you have no will whatsoever against sin. Sin drags people to depression. Drags people to a life. That is so unworthy of what God has created in you as a young man and a young woman. Have you met a sick man who tried everything and nothing worked in his or her life? Have you met one of those? Have you met a, a person who's so defeated because he has a terminal condition? Wouldn't you say this paralyzed person had a terminal condition? So can you imagine his household? 
Can you imagine his mom, his dad, if he's alive or if they're there, and his siblings, all of them, they said, oh, I mean, we, we have tried everything. Don't try again. Don't try, please. And you have, they have reached a certain place. They were so in desperation. Hopelessness is reigning over this household. Sadness. They get up in the morning. He's there on a little, little bed, little pallet. Jesus called it. And in the, in the evening, the same thing. He needs help in, in every way, in every mean. Let me tell you one thing. This is exactly the description of sin and what it does to a person. It paralyzes you. Your mobility is gone. And you are a slave to that sin, whatever it is in your life. They told the man, it's enough, but no one can heal you. And suddenly, a knock at the door. Four men. His friends, maybe. They said, we know someone who can heal you. We know someone who can give life to your legs. We know someone who can change your life completely. And perhaps, when I was thinking about it and studying, perhaps one or two of these men have had an encounter with Jesus. Maybe one of them was sick, had some illness, and he was touched. And thank God for friends. Thank God for people who care. And these four men represent to me those members in the church of God who are always care for sin people who are living away from God. And they try to invite them to church. They try to bring them. And these people, this, these four men, did not only wanted to drag him, they wanted to carry him. Members of the church, remember that. If the Lord has saved you and gave you this wonderful life and healed you from your sins, do not sit on the chair, on that beautiful soft chair. Think of your friends who are still in the world and go out and try and get them and bring them so they can hear the word of God. So they decided, said, what can we do? Fifteen years ago, I, I preached on that. I said, they made a, a stretcher. Not like the stretchers we have at the hospitals today. You see them in the ER and the people bring. They made some kind, some kind of a stretcher and uh, they put him on it. He said, let's carry him. Can you imagine going down the streets of Capernaum? Going down the streets, carrying him. Where are you going? We're going to the healer. We're going to the great physician. We're going. Well, good luck. Why? Because I don't know you can get in. We were there. The house is full. And I don't know. All right. Bless you. Well, what did they, what did they encounter the very first thing when they arrived at the house? That they couldn't get in. Well, 
this is my second point. I said, we, first of all, sinners are in need of Jesus, in need of help. Now, they encounter hindrances must be overcome. Oh, how are we going to see him? And where do hindrances come from? Where? I want to tell you, first of all, as it says in the word of God, it comes from the people. Let's look at it. Verse 2. And many were gathered together so that there was no longer room even near the door where he was speaking. People were there. Who, who will hinder you? People hinder people, let me tell you one thing. Hindrances come from people. Mark says the four were not able to get in there. You would have expected that these people would say, we step aside. Will make way. Here's a, 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 per, a person, a paralytic, born of four, carried by four people. Yes, yes, maybe the Lord will heal him. And no, they didn't care about that. And no one gave them away. No one would let them in. You know, I have seen and known many families to oppose their sons and daughters from coming to Jesus. I've seen many households. There was a woman who lived in our neighborhood when I was back in Beirut, in our neighborhood, and her son accepted the Lord Jesus as Savior. He was completely doing fine. And she gathered the family, her, his father, to bring, to take him back. He made a profession of faith, and he was, he was walking good. And then we didn't see him in the meetings. Two, three, four weeks. And then we heard that she was at the, one of the markets. She was saying, thank God, my, star, my son came back and started swearing. And he's coming back to life. And he left that religion. Hindrances. Where did they come from? They come from people, from people around us, sometimes from our own family. They stand in your way, not to let you walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. But may I say this, I encourage you, if you take Jesus as Savior today, do not worry, God will stand for you and he will give you the victory to continue your life until he comes to take you to be with him. And, they, and the people say, well, you are changing your religion. And if you're taking Jesus as Savior in this church, you're changing your religion. Do you, or did you ever, hear that we preach a certain religion here? We preach the Lord Jesus Christ and Him crucified. We preach the Word of God. We don't preach to be, to be brethren, or Baptist, or non-denominational, or Episcopalian, or what have you, we do not ask you to become any, and we don't preach religion. 
Religion does not take you to heaven. Let me say this. Religion does not change you. Nor the church changes you. Going, going to a certain church will not profit you anything. Going to Jesus and accepting him as Savior will change your life and will give you eternal life. Hindrances. Hindrances come most probably from within, from within the family and from without. And I pray that will never happen in your case. Nothing can give you outside Jesus Christ can say, my son, your sins are forgiven. No one. Forget confession if you are a Catholic. Not even the priest can tell you, tell you, you're forgiven. He will give you certain things to do so you can forget your sins and you pay for them. Go do this, go pray how many times, you know what, what it is, what I'm talking about. I'm not going to go into details. Go do this and go do that in order to pay for your sins. It's payment for sin, not forgiveness at all. You never hear no one can forgive you. And secondly, what happened there? The religious leaders were sitting and were scheming against the Lord Jesus Christ. And many hindrances come today from religious leaders. Remember that. And they are in the way of people coming to Christ. There were sitting the religious leaders and the scribes, and they did not want this man to be healed. They did not want this man to be saved. They did not believe in Jesus. They were there to criticize, and they were blinded by their prejudice because they were, uh, they were hanging to the law, and there were, says, lawyers there. They knew the law of Moses and they were re really attached to it. And here comes, here comes the great physician. He says, it's not believe in the law of Moses. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. And who is this man? This is blasphemy. Who can say, who can say, your sins are forgiven? Can a man? They did not believe that he was God incarnated in the form of a man. They never believed on him. And these, oh, they said, this fellow blasphemes. Because Jesus told the paralytic, as I said, he told him, take courage, my son. Your sins are forgiven. But Jesus immediately perceived, perceived, because he's God. He knows what's the heart of man. He knows your heart. He knows my heart. He knows each and everyone's heart. He knows what you're thinking now. He knows what you are saying. Oh, well, what is Edo talking about? You be careful. You be careful. This is the word of God. You be careful what you think. And you be careful when you say, Lord, open my heart so I can hear, hear your voice. 
and he knew their heart. He perceived what they were saying. And he looked at the man and gave him a little bit of encouragement. He said, you came here to be healed. First of all, let's do the spirituals. First of all, let's attend to your soul. Jesus cares for your soul. And in this church, we care for your soul. We care where you're going to be. We don't want you to go to hell. We, our Lord wants you to go to heaven and be with him forever and ever. Uh, and he, he, this is why. This is why we preach the word. We preach it as it is in the word of God. These are words not from mine, but from the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me tell you one thing. All these religious leaders. Today we have so many religious leaders around the world. I'm not pointing at one. You think of what they say. You think of what they do. You think of what, what uh, you think of their motives, and why are they in their big robes and suits and whatever they have. Remember, if they don't care for your soul, they are not religious leaders according to the word of God. A man of God cares for your soul. Like Jesus Christ, he cared for his soul first. He said, first, your sins are forgiven. And you know what, what he told them? He says, you're sitting there. You don't want this, this man to be saved. You don't want him to be healed. You are sitting there hindering Hindering the word of God that is coming out. And you know, the word of God registers that. In, the, in, in Luke chapter 11, verse 52. Let me read it to you. That woe to you in the law. Woe to you. For you have taken away the key of knowledge. You did not enter yourself. And those who were entering in, you have hindered. That's the word. That's the word of God. So, you priests, you scribes, the chief priests, you who are expert in the law of Moses, I would like to say this. I would like to repeat what Jesus said. The law does not save you, nor the chief priests, nor any pastor, nor any clergy, nor anyone. Neither any human being on earth has the power to save you from sin. Only Jesus Christ is the Savior. Have you tried? Have you tried? And that's why you're still searching. Man is, loves to search. And you're searching. You want a better future. You were, want a better life. But there's something hindering you. I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is. There's a certain habit is overcoming you. I have no idea what it is. But one thing. Wherever you go, you're not going to find. You're not going to find a solution to your problem. The only person who can serve you, solve your problem is the Lord Jesus Christ. That's, what I, that's my message today. And he looked at the man. As usual, he had compassion, had mercy. 
he paid my point, third point. He looked at him and he paid him immediate attention. He said, do you have an appointment here? Did you call the nurse and made an appointment with me? Don't you see I'm busy? I have so many people here. <laughs> this is not our Jesus. This is not the Jesus we know. The Jesus we know gives you priority. You are the most important, important person to him when you come to him. You might say he's busy. He, might not, he, he will not listen to my prayer. Wrong. He is available every second, every minute. You say maybe he's on vacation. Never takes vacation. Forget it. Maybe he's not here. He's everywhere. Jesus is there to hear your prayer. And he gave him immediate attention. This is why he told him, I'm glad you came. He didn't care about what happened to the roof. He didn't care. No one mentions it. This is not important. Nothing is important compared to a soul that needs Jesus Christ. You're important to the Lord. You're sitting in your seat and you are the most important person. Whatever your case is, whatever is going in your heart, Jesus Christ is saying, I am here and I am going to give you my immediate attention. I am going to save you from any sin or any problem you have in your life. Would you come to him? You're paralyzed. Thank God someone brought you in. And he will take it from there. You know, the test of a good physician, and allow me doctors who are here, the test of a good physician is whether he or she can diagnose and treat the problem so the patient can get better, right? I have a doctor, I love him very much. Every time I call him or I see him, he tells me what's wrong. I said, how come I didn't think of it? Well, I'm not a doctor. And is it going to work? And then two, three days later, it works. I said, well, he's a great doctor. I think of him as a great doctor. Sylvia can tell you about that. He's the same. And we have a great physician who's tried. I have tried him. Many Christians, many believers have tried him. And if I ask you, what do you think of Jesus? He's the greatest physician of them all. Isn't he? And... He didn't have to ask you to go take some tests. Well, let's go test him to see what's wrong with this man. He said, have you been tested? We don't. This is not in the Bible. This is from me. Have you been tested? Have you been to a doctor? Have you been, to, have you been here and there? No, no, no. This is not. This is not Jesus Christ. He did not ask him to be tested. That he recognized the problem with the man. And no one else, that no one else was able to diagnose. And they said, other physicians said, but, but you are paralyzed. You are paralyzed. Sin has paralyzed you. Jesus said, yes, you are paralyzed. But your sins have a great problem in your life. And he knows the reason. You are paralyzed. And I know the problem. And let me put my finger on the problem. You are 
living in sin. No matter what it is. Well, he cured him, didn't he? The Lord cured him spiritually and physically. The Lord offered him a solution no other physician could have offered. What kind of solution he offered him? Your sins are forgiven. Do you want your sins to be forgiven? Stop going to any man. Don't go to man, regardless who is this man is. And if you come to say, well, Adol, you're a preacher. Well, thank God for he uses me. I cannot save you from sin. And you go to another preacher. He cannot save you from sin. You go to the priest, the high priest. You go to an archbishop. He cannot save you from sin. To the vicars, he cannot save you from sin. You go and go to the Pope. He cannot save you. You can quote me from that. He cannot save you from sin. The only one who can save you is the Lord Jesus Christ. I wrote in my Bible about 25 years ago this quote. I don't know where I copied it from. And I want to read it to you. Jesus is the only universal doctor for this sick and ailing world. And the medicine he gives is the only cure, healing in every instance. You know what? I believe in that. Finally, the Lord gave the man some parting orders. You know, when you go to the doctor, you go to the doctor and after he examines you and he reviews your medication and so on, and he gives you, he gives you a paper, sometimes two pages, sometimes three pages, what you have to do. You have to go to therapy, you have to go uh, do this, you have to take this two, twice a day for 10 days, antibiotics and so on. And Jesus has some parting words for him. He said, uh, Peter, where are you? Let's write him, let's write him some, uh, some orders there. No. He didn't have a pen or a pencil. He didn't have an assistant. He didn't have anything. He told him these few words, arise. Arise. You don't need to go six months and come back and check with me. Arise. Get up now. Can you imagine what happened to this man? Arise. He stood up. Take up your bed. Throw it away. I wish I can add this to the Bible, but you know, that's a big sin. I cannot add it. No way. <laughs> Get rid of it. I, I, was, I was studying this, and I looked in the three Gospels to find the word, Get rid of it. I couldn't find it. 
So I'm adding it now. Lord, forgive me. Get rid of it. This old life of yours. Get rid of it. Get rid of your sins. I have forgiven you. And the Bible says, and I agree with it, not the Bible agrees with me. If anyone is in Christ, come on, help me out. He's a new creation. All things, the palate, the bed, the sins are tossed out. I wish I could put words like this. I, all gone, behold, everything is Get up. You're a new man. You're a new woman. Your sins are forgiven. And now, I'm going to give you a, a couple of legs. Two legs. And you, you can walk right now. And the Bible says he stood up and everybody was amazed. Whoa. Whoa, no one could heal him. And the, the, the man wanted to stick around. You know, you fall and stick around. He said, no. I have some orders to give you. Go home. Why go home? Why go home? Well, the four friends, they said, oh yeah, we're ready to go home. Can you imagine walking the little narrow rows of Capernaum? Five. They came, there were four. And five are walking. And where is the bed? He tossed it out. It was dirty. It was smelly. Who wants to take it back home? He tossed it out. He threw it away. All your old life is thrown out completely. I don't want to have any connection with it. And when Jesus touches you, when Jesus heals you, when Jesus changes your life, the old habits are gone. The old sins are gone. The old life is gone. And you're walking. Am I, am I truly walking? Yes, you are walking. And am I, am I walking or running or dancing? Well, these are the legs that Jesus has given you. The legs filled with joy and praise as everybody was praising God for him. Can you imagine the knock at the door? Mom, go home. Go home. Mom, I am Matthew. Matthew, oh, well, let, let's make way so you, they can carry you inside. He said, no, I'm walking. I'm alive. I have Jesus in my heart. I'm a new man. I have a new body. I have a new life. I have a new mind. This is why the Bible says, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creature. Can you imagine the joy in the neighborhood? You know, in chapter 5, A man was healed by Jesus Christ. And he was living in the tombs. And he was bleeding himself. He was a crazy man. No one could get near the tombs. And when the Lord healed him, he said, Lord, I want to follow you wherever you go. He said, Lord, no, 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 no. I want you to do something. Let me read it to you. But Jesus said to him, go home. Same word. To your people, to your mom and dad, and report to them 
here's what the new song that you should have in your, in your heart. And report to them what great things the Lord has done for you and how he had mercy on you. Mercy there was great and grace was free. Pardon there was multiplied to me. God has multiplied. He is available today. He is passing through. This is no Capernaum. This is the church of God here. And you are sitting in your seat. And Christ is calling you. Let me hear you. He wants to save you from sin. Would you tell him, Lord Jesus, I come as a sinner. Heal me and give me a new life. Let's bow our heads for prayers. If the Lord spoke to your heart and you're sitting there struggling whether I should pray or not, well, let me help you a little bit. If you want to take Jesus and let him save you, just lift up your hand and I will pray for you. Amen. Say, Lord Jesus, I am a sinner. Save me like you did to this man and change my life. Would you? And would you pray in your heart this prayer? Lord, I'm a sinner. I've been trying to get rid of many habits in my life, or this habit. I come to you to heal me and change me, and he will. Pray. Pray as I'm praying. Father, we are thankful that we can preach the word of God freely with the liberty that we have in this wonderful land. I pray for every person that has been touched by your word. We'll ask you to come in and reside in his or her heart forever. We thank you for your word. It is like I mean, a two-edged sword and can save to the uttermost those who believe. Bless this congregation. Bless this ministry. Bless each and every family. Dismiss us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.